What's going on ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have got the one, the only, Jeff Freeze of Fat Snacks on the line today. How you doing, man? Great, Robert. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so anybody that doesn't know of you, like you're, I'd love to hear your kind of intro to keto, kind of what got you into the space in the first place. I read your bio on the Fat Snacks website, and I know we've both got a, a love for Tim Ferriss material, so we can dive into that. But yeah, what got you into the space in the first place, man? It was really, I was uh, doing everything right and getting fatter. So, you know, I was following the uh, standard American diet, and I was eating low fat, high carb. I was working out more. I was eating less, and I was constantly tired and going hard, going savage, and yet I kept getting fatter and even weaker. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm sorry. Is this a cursing podcast? Uh, hey, <laughs> I guess you can say whatever you want, man. <laughs> so, so that led me down the rabbit hole of trying to find an answer, which brought me to keto, which was like, you know, the new Netflix movie, A Magic Pill, a magic pill for me and made me leaner, stronger, um, and better shape than I'd ever been in. And more importantly, I had significant cognitive uh, benefits from keto that I hope I still enjoy. Yeah, that alone, I mean... People talk about that, but I mean, that literally is the reason I stay keto more than anything else is just the cognitive enhancement I get. Right. I mean, I was, I was at a point where uh, if I met you two seconds later, I wouldn't know your name and I probably mm -hmm. wouldn't forget your face in a week. All of that is gone. I know all names, everyone, all faces all the time. I recognize like Uber drivers months down the road now. That's crazy, man. So, so what was the transition? Like you were doing everything wrong. You were getting frustrated. Like what? kind of led you to try and keto in the first place? What was your introduction to it? I had nothing to lose, right? So it was like I was getting fatter and weaker and stupider by the day. So, you know, uh, following what I, I'd been told my whole life wasn't working. So I figured, well, why not? Let's throw it on its head. This seems to make sense from a, um, you know, uh, a hereditary background. So I just started um, cut, cutting out the carbs, cutting out the sugar, keeping that cheat. And that really, really helped having a cheat day, certainly in the beginning. For me, a cheat day in the beginning was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But over time, naturally, as I got more and more acclimated to this lifestyle, my cravings and cheat days just went away. So I went from Friday, Saturday, Sunday to Friday, Saturday, then to Saturday, and then to just Saturday night. Now it's like, I, I don't care. I don't want it because I don't want to feel bad the next day or the day after. So. You know, when everyone's mm -hmm. out eating pizza, I'm fine not eating or chewing on some fatty meat or something. It's kind of crazy, man. Like there's so many, you know, different philosophies towards the whole, you know, cheat days, kind of what's the best way to go about it? Do I do them? Do I not do them? And I've always advocated, you know, not doing them, just going full blown into it and ripping the bandaid off and, and amplifying and optimizing that away. But not if that's going to be the make or break factor for somebody. Like if that's going to be a stepping stone that allows them to kind of get their toe in the water and then eventually get into keto. I mean, that's obviously better than not getting into keto at all. So, so, so many people get like so uptight about cheat days, but like, again, I don't ever recommend them per se because it's not optimal, but if that leads you into the right direction, I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah. I totally recommend them all the time because there's no way I could have done this in the beginning without it, especially fruit. Oh my God. I was so, I was such a fruit person. When, when I found out I had to give up fruit, ah, oh, that killed me for so long. I had such strong fruit cravings forever. But um, What's your favorite fruit? Oh, my God. I, I, you know, what fruit is in front of me? So, like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like all the best. Um, but now, you know, uh, right now, if I'm having fruit, it's like some, it's some uh, blueberries or raspberries or even strawberries kind of late at night pre-dinner. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I haven't had, man, I haven't had fruit in years, but I always, I've always loved fruit. Like I, fruit's just delicious. You know, that's one of the things that that's the probably one thing that I do miss is, is fruit. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just eat a steak instead now, I guess. Right. So what, what got you, I mean, you, you were, where'd you hear about the diet? Like initially you heard about it from Tim Ferriss, right? The, the slow, the four hour uh, body. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> that, that book four hour body came out and I immediately dismissed it because it seemed like some silly gimmick, right? It's a terrible title, but I guess he's going with this brand of four hour work week, which is a phenomenal book, by the way. 
So I, I stayed away from Love it because it. it sounds like some silly cheat. Like four hour body, really? Four hours, you're gonna like be all fixed and better. But uh, when you actually read the book, it's a great book. And I did his slow carb thing, which I immediately felt the benefits from. And then that <clears throat> just wound up going into keto. And certainly hearing, you know, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino on the Tim Ferriss podcast was, you know, a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that podcast was my first introduction to it. And then from there, I listened to his podcast with Peter Atia. And then I was sold. And then I, I read uh, Jimmy Moore's Keto Clarity. I think those are my three first pillars to keto. But yeah, after listening to that first podcast with Dom D'Agostino, it's like, okay, there's something here for sure. Like, you know, count me and let's let's give this a shot. Right. Dr. Dom and Dr. Atia are, are probably two of the smartest people on the planet. And when they're you know, talking about this and their whole hog into it. You know, I, I, I just, I just figure like if they're into this, it, it's got to be right. I, they, they have to be some of the smartest people on the planet. Yeah, no, they're pretty bright for sure. What, what was your, um, like transformation or just transition from, you know, doing everything wrong or doing everything supposedly right and seeing all the wrong results to keto? I mean, I, I know you said that you remember people's faces and names now, but what happened physically? I'm assuming you stopped getting weaker. Yeah, so I mean, almost immediately started getting stronger, and probably started getting um, you know my hormones back in shape because I, I guarantee I was under adrenal fatigue from that you know eat less, work out more, carb lifestyle, and you know mm -hmm. my testosterone was low, and I was just like tired all the time, downing coffee all the time. So you know immediately the the first thing you notice is you know uh, boundless energy. And then using that energy to get, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to play on Savage all through this, Savage at the gym. And, <laughs> you know, my, my, my deadlift over the next couple of months increased by like 100 pounds. I'm kind of plateaued and I wanted to pick your brain about how to get past that. But, you know. Um, yeah, man, we can talk about anything. Yeah. So, okay, good. So right now, <clears throat> my max deadlift is probably 365, like for two, three times. And what I really want mm -hmm. is 405. And that's really just about um, vanity and ego because I want to have four plates mm -hmm. on that bar and be ripping it up and down. So what do you think the best strategy would be in 2019 for me to get there and hit that result? So deadlifts, I mean, it's kind of interesting, man. Like, like I'm, I'm a bodybuilder. I'm not a powerlifter, right? So I, I do not lift for you know, strength specifically. It's just kind of a byproduct of my training style. But for me, like deadlifts and squats are my two favorite lifts by far. Um, I do them, I do deadlifts at least one solid time a week. And I've been slowly kind of introducing sumo deadlifts, but I've always kind of gravitated towards conventional deadlifts. But one thing I see a lot of mistake, one, one mistake I see a lot of with deadlifts is people will have, you know, a really wide <clears throat> foot placement, even if they're doing conventional. And they just have a really bad habit of rounding their shoulders, haunching their shoulders forward. And just, you know, losing proper form. And I have bad form when I go to my very, like, heaviest one rep max. Like, it's not pretty. Like, there's YouTube videos of me admitting that I have bad form. But just being really conscious of, you know, wearing the belt, keeping your chest forward, your shoulders rolled back. And then I like to do, like, a progressive overload type principle where I'll do, you know, eight reps of, you know, 135 and then, you know, seven of 225 six or five of 315 and then once i start getting like past 315 or past you know for me 405 um i'll start putting on one plate on each side and then i'll just do reps of one so like singles until i can no, no longer get a single rep and then i'll basically either you know do a drop set and work backwards from that or just continue to kind of chip away at it until i'm able to get a single with that added 10 pound plate and that progressively over time has done really well for me right do you measure your uh, blood and uh, hormone levels often? You know, I've been, I kick, I'm kicking myself for this because I, I would have given anything to have tested my, my uh, testosterone before starting keto because, you know, you always hear that keto in, improves your testosterone, your hormones. So I would have loved to have that baseline, but I, I didn't even think to do it. I test my, my like a basic lipid panel um, fairly regularly, especially as I'm going through kind of like an experiment of one, one type or another. But I'm probably going to get a full-blown panel blood test, you know, with A1C, C-reactive protein, and testosterone, along with, you know, all the lipids, probably within the next month or so, because I've got a pretty big experiment coming up. Right. Because you're, you're natural bodybuilder, yeah? 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm natural. I mean, nothing against people that aren't natural, but I've always kind of gravitated towards natural. I want to see what my body's capable of without any, you know, performance enhancing drugs. And I think, you know, being a natural bodybuilder and being keto kind of go hand in hand because they both, you know, they're they're just healthy. They're they're right. Like I I want my body and my mind and everything to be like, you know, symbol of health. And there's so many bodybuilders out there that, you know, preach health, but then they're the farthest thing from it. So I don't I don't want to do right. that. I mean, the difference between a natural bodybuilder and, you know, a, uh, a bodybuilder, a juiced bodybuilder is, is, is what? Testosterone and HGH. So what are your tips for increasing those two? I mean, you're, you're going to increase your hormones a lot. And again, I wish I would have, you know, gotten a, a baseline so I could have some actual data and metrics. But I mean, just simply eating proper food, training hard, resistance training, you know, making sure you get a lot of fats. And that's one of the huge drawbacks I see with people that follow like a like a bro diet or, you know, if it fits your macros, flexible dieting style approach, when they diet down, their fats are next to nothing. Uh-huh. And then when they do that and they're all walking around like zombies, they're wondering why their hormones are all tanked. And it's because, I mean, you know, fat, cholesterol, that's all the precursor to testosterone. You take that down to nothing, then your hormones are all going to get jacked up. So, I mean, I think keto really helps you know, stabilize those levels. Do you take any, um, any supplements to kind of help, um, in, you know, uh, increase that. Like, you know, I've heard stuff like uh, boron, D, aspartic acid uh, for increasing testosterone. And then there's like a stack that you can take to help eliminate um, estrogen because we're constantly bombarded by xenoestrogens in this world. So you can take stuff like uh, resveratrol and uh, I, I can't remember. So Charles Paliquin has some stack for like anti-estrogen. Do you do anything like that? I have not, honestly. Like I, like I'm 26, um, so I would hope that my testosterone levels are naturally pretty stable right now, still. Um, but there's there's so many different you know additives. There, there there are different foods you could add in, which I'd be you know very keen on discovering. You know different um, you know natural remedies that are really good. But as far as like you, you can walk into a GNC and just be bombarded with all kind of natural you know quote quote unquote natural testosterone boosters, right. and it's just. There's, there's so much crap out there. Like you've got like the SARMs I mean, you've got the, um, I mean, a lot of these supplements that are, that are on the shelves, they get banned after six months of, you know, shelf life because people find all the stuff that's really in them. And then, you know, the companies get in trouble and they relabel it, rebrand it and put it back out there. Um, and like for a natural competitor, the, the list of banned substances is, is pretty freaking intense. Like it's not just, are you on steroids? Just to no, know. It's like, they've got freaking pages and pages and pages of all these different you know, pre-workouts even that are banned. So I don't even want to take a chance with it. Right. You know? So why, why be a natural bodybuilder? Why not enhance it with the added recovery benefits of testosterone and HGH done with the doctor's supervision? It's a good question. And again, like I don't have anything against people that, that do because I mean, that's like their career path. That's their decision. Um, but for me, like I'm, I'm playing the long game, you know, all the way. And I'm playing the long game with my business, with my with my health, with my bodybuilding career, and you know I'm in doing so. I'm probably I'm definitely sacrificing some of the size and growth that I could in my 20s and 30s if I was to you know jump on the the drugs. But you know you look at a lot of these competitors that are huge now in their you know 20s and 30s. They don't look like that when they're getting off the juice. Um, so I, I I have a theory that if I just keep pumping away, chipping away at it, you know the right way, the healthy way, the long game way. You know, I'm going to be passing them by. There's going to be a tipping point in which I'm going to pass them by and I'm going to be healthier in my later years and look much better. Um, and then on a, a more like emotional mindset, you know, approach, a lot of people get on that stuff. And, you know, bodybuilders in general are extremists. You know, they, they're extremists with their training, their nutrition. I mean, everything is just extreme. It's to the next level. And if you get on that stuff and you see all the benefits, all the strength improvements, all the size improvements, the aesthetics, all that comes with that, that's going to mess with you psychologically. It's going to be much harder to cycle off of that. And then a lot of people don't cycle off of it because they don't want to forego all those benefits. But then when they don't, I mean, they're literally tanking their system for years and years and years to come. And I'm afraid that if me with my, you know, just extremist personality was to go off the deep end and jump into that, it would be hard for me to turn around a correct course. So I just don't even want to be tempted by it in the first place. That makes a lot of sense. But there's got to be a way because you look at guys like Sylvester Stallone, who's what, 70 something now and jacked and bigger than he's ever been. And even like 
Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Lou Ferrigno. You know, clearly they were on yeah. uh, steroids and they're still like big and looking good and old and they seem to be vital and healthy and happy. Yeah, that, I mean, and they, they never took near as much as some of the stuff the guys are taking nowadays. I mean, you look at some of the, I mean, two, last year, two bodybuilders died, or was it this year? This year, last year, earlier this year, last year, but, you know, you had Rich Piana that died, and you had... Um, Wait, Rich Piana's dead? Dallas McCarver. Yeah, yeah, Rich Rich died, and then Dallas McCarver died, and Dallas was, was 26 years old, and, you know, you know he, he was coming up super strong in the sport, and then he died at 26, I believe it was, and they did a biopsy of him, and they found, like, this grapefruit-sized tumor in his leg that was not even diagnosed. Wow. I mean, there's just... There's just so much there that it's just dangerous to play around with. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't honestly know that much about steroids and how to properly dose them and some of the, you know, intricacies. Like, I don't know because I haven't really look, looked into it that much. But, I mean, there's people that, you know, know all the science behind all the chemistry and there's a, a drug to counteract all the negative effects of another drug. Right. And, I don't know, like, it's just a slippery slope in my opinion. Right. No, you need a, a team of Russian doctors who are skilled in it to really do it well. Yeah, yeah. So I figure I figure I'd probably, you know, forego some of the size by not jumping on the juice. But if I could just eat me a good old ribeye steak and you know, lift hard and train savage, then I'll be I'll be doing alright. Do you have any shows coming up? I did two last year, and then I'm going to probably compete again in 2020. So as a natural athlete, I take a lot more time off in between shows because you know, like I'll diet down for four, five, six months at a time. So I'm only having you know the other six months of the year to build muscle. Uh, and if I was to compete every year, you know, six months isn't much time to add much quality muscle. And I want to look better and improve each time I step on stage. So I tend to take, you know, a couple of years off in between shows. Right. And what about alcohol? Alcohol? I, I don't I don't drink any alcohol. I uh, occasionally have a glass of wine. I had a glass of wine at Crystal's competition. Um, we all went out to dinner afterwards, had a glass of wine then. And that was in April. And that was the first time I drank since the previous Christmas, I believe. So I don't drink much. Right. And uh not very much. Anything else? Marijuana? Anything else? Take the edge off? <laughs> no, I've actually never tried marijuana. I never tried um I never tried anything. You know, I've never I I mean, you, you listen to like some of these Tim Ferriss podcasts, um, and he's like, you know, talking about some of the cognitive enhancements that people are seeing with, you know, mushrooms or microdosing L S D and a lot of these breakthrough moments happen when when somebody was on, you know, some type of trip. So it's like, wow, man, that's kind of cool. What if I just eat mushrooms, which are naturally occurring anyways, and then, you know, have my next business breakthrough or something or see the world through a different light and I'm able to help more people. So that's always like a tempting thought, but I've never, I've never tried it. Not, not, not yet. Anyways. Right. Yeah. The Onnit guys are really big into that. I, I get the same thing. I listen to them like I got to run out and do LSD and psilocybin right away. Yeah. Like Joe Rogan, especially you know, listen to him. It's like, all right, let's go get some DMT and just get to work here. Right. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. What, what about you? You know, again, keto really helped with this. So pre-keto, I drank way too much. And um, once I started, the more I got into this lifestyle, the lesser my cravings uh, were in strength. So I just had like less and less cravings for alcohol. And I don't know why that is. Maybe there was bacteria in my gut that fed on the alcohol. And when I was like doing fast or just not having as much alcohol, they starved out and stopped sending signals saying, give me more alcohol. I have no idea. Or is it just the, the, the feeling good and having the energy mm -hmm. and going at the day and, you know, taking it you know, savage throughout the day and, and going hard because I cannot do that if I have two glasses of wine the night before. So it's probably a combination mm -hmm. of both where it's like, I just want to feel good. And I'm really not craving it. But that being said, you know, ethanol, it's a poison, right? And it affects our brain and our liver. The brain part, that's what we like. And that's why we drink alcohol, right? Relax, loosen inhibitions, have a good time. It's the liver part that's terrible because it's, you know, it, it is a toxin. And that's what's giving you the hangover and uh, the way your uh, liver's processing it. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. So the other alternative is a little bit of marijuana. So you can get the brain benefit without, you know, the, the liver detriment. And you can smoke a little, unwind after a rough day, uh, have a good time, and then wake up at 5.30 in the morning 
hit the gym and go hard on deadlifts, which you could never do after drinking. That's true. I didn't think about that. Did not think about that. What What about um? Is the the smoke of, of like a you know smoke on a joint near the same impact as like a cigarette? I would assume probably no, not. Not even close. And it's like you know, it's like two hits. That's all you need. You're not sitting around smoking like a big giant entire joint unless you're Snoop Dogg. But I I think a normal person, yeah. you know, be conservative. Take one. Wait a little while. See how you feel. Take a second one, and that's all you need. It's kind of crazy, man. Like I, I'm in Arkansas. I, I lived. I've, I've pretty much been Arkansas the majority of my life. I lived in Washington for a short stint, and you know it's legal up there. I never smoked it up there either. Um, but I mean, it's it's coming. I mean, Arkansas is like a pretty conservative state, but it's coming up here. There was like a meeting the other day at the Capitol, and and they're legalizing it. You know, for medical use um, in Arkansas. So I mean, it's looking like. It's going to just go all over the 50 states. It might take a little while, but that's what it's looking like. Seems like it. And, you know, hopefully uh, we won't ever have any problems along the way with CBD because CBD has also been a game changer for me and just reducing all inflammation throughout my body and making me feel good. And again, getting cognitive benefits plus like other benefits that I, I, I'm not even sure I, I, I can like uh, have the words for that. It's just been really, really great for me. And I know they're... There's some rumblings now about um, maybe scheduling it as a class one uh, narcotic, but uh, I hope not because it, it really does help a lot of people. And, um, you know, I've got like personal examples in my life of people who started giving CBD to their kids who are on the autism spectrum and it completely turned them around and changed their behavior. How it worked, I don't know. I just know that these kids in this family who are uh, good friends of mine it worked for them. So I don't know anything about any of this. I'm totally ignorant. So enlighten me here. So CBD is the, the non... Yeah, so that's the um, non-psychoactive uh, component of marijuana. Well, one of the many, many, many <laughs> uh, chemicals of marijuana, but it's the non-psychoactive one. And I mean, it's just such... It's so great for inflammation. It's really, really great. And, and also, uh, I put it in the coffee, in my coffee in the morning. And it kind of, instead of getting a, mm -hmm. kind of a coffee high and then a crash, it keeps it steady throughout the day. So like a couple cups in the morning and I'm good and it keeps me going throughout the day. See, my problem is I like cannot turn it off. I cannot unwind. Like I literally live on four hours of sleep every single night and that's just my reality. But I, I mean, I could see it being advantageous, you know, have some CBD oil and like my nightly tea or something and actually be able to go to sleep. Right. So there's a... Yeah, some people, you know, I think you can probably even buy CBD with um, melatonin in it, like already mixed. Not that you need to like buy that mix, but yeah, there, there's a lot of people selling sleep aids that are CBD with melatonin. Is there any drawback or negative side effect to CBD or is it like is it completely removed? I'm sorry, that, that broke up for two seconds. Is there any negative side effect or, or drawback to CBD or, or none at all? None at all, as far as I know, but... You know, I, I am a bro scientist at best. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. Like, I, I really have taken a keen interest towards just everything. And, and I was raised very, very conservative and, like, you know, no drinking, no smoking, no anything, no nothing. And I just haven't ever done anything. And I haven't really felt the need to do anything. But, I mean, I look at some of these plants and, I mean, you look at, uh, like, the rainforest, the Amazonian Indians and whatnot, and all the stuff that they use for their medicinal practices i mean that's just what they had growing naturally in the rainforest and a lot of that was like some pretty potent stuff um and not that everything's natural or good by any means but like you got to you know take that for what it is and know that there's a you know a potential benefit that can be used by this and it's not near as invasive as you know just pumping yourself full of chemicals right. you know so how many days are you working out uh right now not as many as i like because i've just been traveling and doing all kinds of business stuff lately but on a good you know, consistent week where you know, everything, like I'm not traveling every single day. It's pretty much like six or seven days a week. And what's your typical breakfast look like when you're at home? I don't eat breakfast. I, I do like a Bulletproof style coffee. Um, I'm a Starbucks addict, so I, I normally get a venti Americano with steamed heavy cream. Uh, sometimes I'll put butter. Like if my fat ratio is higher for the day, if I'm trying to get in some more calories, I'll put butter in there. Otherwise, it's just like steamed heavy cream. 
Um, I've been trying to do that that mushroom extract coffee, like the with the lion's mane, the chaga, the cordyceps. Right. Um, kind of incorporating some of that in place of the the normal coffee because I'm trying to wean myself off of the caffeine, or at least minimize it. But yeah, I skip breakfast, go for the fatty coffee, and then I don't eat my first meal until uh, usually noon or one, or sometimes even later. So fasting seems to be uh, a large part of a lot of um, keto lifestyles, but. Being a natural bodybuilder, do you incorporate any fasting into your routine? And I mean like water, multi-day water fast. I've done one really long extended fast. I, I was getting a bunch of questions from, you know, clients and other people that, you know, were curious about fasting and I didn't really have any frame of reference. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to jump on a fast and see what this is all about. So I did like a four and a half or five day fast um, and I felt really, really good. I, I broke all the rules that you're supposed to you know, comply to while fasting. I trained every single day. I trained, trained three of the four days. Um, and then I didn't sleep two of those nights. We were working, making keto bricks. So pulled an all nighter like twice in a row. Uh, so like it was not the perfect scenario for fasting, but my energy was actually really, really good. Um, and my strength was good. I think I PR'd on two of those days and it was just, a pretty pleasant surprise. I, I didn't feel hungry. I had uh, vegetable bouillon cubes um, and some potassium, like Vega Hydrator, I think, throughout to get my electrolytes in. But that was pretty much it. I didn't have any food or anything like that. Right. Yeah, it's crazy what fasting does. Like, I, I've never felt better than after a fast with a proper refeed. And, you know, I, I definitely, like, the next couple of weeks after I, I finish a fast, that's when I get my biggest performance gains at the gym. And I think a lot of that has to do with all the autophagy and apoptosis that was going on during the fast. And then with the refeeding, the activating the stem cells and then rebuilding everything from progenitor cells. So I've got like brand new, you know, hot rod fire and mitochondria throughout my cells. I have a whole brand new, well, not a whole brand new, but a 40% new immune system and white blood cells. And you know, increased red blood cells and all my junk cells are history. So, I mean, I, I found... And how long are you... I, you know, my sweet spot is the four and a half to five days. So, I'll start Sunday night and then go through the week and I'm either going to end Friday night, depending on how I feel, or Saturday morning. And I do that because uh, I need to be busy. If you try and like do a fast where you're like, oh, I don't have to work and I'll have time off, so it'll be easy. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to be busy. You want to be at work. You want to be focused because it ain't easy. It is hard. Uh, yeah. Certainly that, uh, that second day when you're sort of really kicking over into full-blown ketosis and you're getting out the last of your glycogen reserves, um, that can be tough. But once you're past that, and your ghrelin comes down, you're really not that hungry, but it's still, it's, it's tough. But man, I feel great yeah, after. I completely agree. Yeah, I felt great when I did mine. Um, I don't know. There's like, a, there's like a fine line you want to walk if you're trying to build muscle. Like it probably wouldn't be advantageous for you to do, you know, crazy long fasts on a very, very consistent basis because then you wouldn't have enough, you know, energy to create new tissue. But at the same time, like if when you do those fasts, your body's more primed for creating the tissue. Like there's like a balancing act there, if that right. makes sense. No, like, it, and it's crazy to me because, you know, seven years ago, if you told me, you know, you can not eat for five days and feel great and be stronger afterwards, I, I'd say you're crazy. But uh, man, keto's really, really been a game changer for me. I used to have to like wake up and immediately eat. And God forbid we were going somewhere where I wasn't eating within a three or four hour window. There was going to be problems. But yeah. Oh, it's, it's crazy, man. Like I, I, was, um, I was with my folks this weekend and as soon as we woke up, dad was making some, some eggs or something, cooking some eggs in the skillet. And it was just like a weird, like I, I, I looked up and it was just like a weird phenomenon to be like cooking that early in the morning. It just blew my mind. And, it, and you know, it brought me back to when I used to do that myself and every, I would eat every two and a half, three hours. It's just so much more liberating now because, I mean, I can eat when I need to as opposed to when I think I need right. to. Right. So, you're, you're a hunter, yeah? You're, like, big into hunting, right? Yeah, I love hunting. And, again, it's been kind of, you know, put on a back burner since I've been just so busy with building business and life and everything. But I love, love, love hunting. I think it's very 
Yeah, if you have the opportunity to hunt, I mean, and I do, I'm blessed to have like a family farm with, you know, land down south where we've had in our family for four generations and we go down there for deer camp and whatnot. It's where we celebrate Thanksgiving every year. And, you know, I was just raised doing that. And I think doing that makes you have a whole new appreciation for the food you eat and just like the circle of life in general. When you're field dressing, are you saving the organs? <laughs> Not typically with the, the animals down there because I normally hunt deer down there. Um, so I, before, honestly, I wouldn't even really, like before I wasn't keto and I just, it was just, people didn't really do that. Like I wasn't at deer camp with the, my uncles and everybody just like, you know, grabbing the heart out of this deer and you just eating it on the spot. You know, that, that was never norm, the normal thing to do. Um, but now that I'm keto, yeah, like I wouldn't be opposed to saving everything I can. Cause I mean, I'm all about, you know, using the full animal. Like I think that's respectful to the animal. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be all right. for it. So you're a competitive natural bodybuilder and you're in keto, you must be writing down everything. Like how anal are you on tracking all your macros, all your calories and everything you eat? I track everything I eat. I don't track any of my lifts, um, which a lot of people find kind of strange. But yeah, with, with my food, I've got, I use my macros plus as my macro tracker. And I pretty much, you know, every single day, I, I can tell you what I ate this, this time four years ago. Um, but having that is nice. And I'm not like crazy anal about it. Like, you know, I am when I'm in a contest prep. Like when I'm in a contest prep, everything's kind of to the gram. Everything's pre-prepped for the week. Like there is no deviating from that plan. But in the off season, like I am now, um, you know, like if I want to have an extra egg or something, then I'll do that and I'll, I'll count for it, you know, that way I can kind of see what my actual caloric intake is and macros are. But, but yeah, I track everything. It's just second nature now. I mean, so many of my foods are you know, saved already in the, in the app. So I don't have to add them each time. I mean, I just rotate between the foods that I prefer and it's pretty easy to do. So it's not really like a time waster. Right. How many calories are you eating a day typically? Uh, so right now I'm at like 3000. Um, when I do a contest prep, I normally start at about 3000. Then I drop down gradually over those four to six months to about 1650. I think is what I got down to this last year. Um, but yeah, and then I'll, I'm about to do, do a, a bulking experiment in which I'm going to be consuming a lot of calories um, just to kind of see how my body responds to that. But, you know, for me, like a good maintenance is between 2,500 and 3,500. Right. And how often are you measuring blood glucose and ketones? Never, honestly. I, I do if I am, if I'm like trying to do an experiment, but if I'm just, you know, going through the day to day, then I don't um, because, you know, I base off of how I feel like my fat ratio is usually between 78 and 82%. So if I'm eating that high fat ratio and I feel great, then I'm in right. ketosis. There's just no other way no other way around it. Um, so I don't really check the numbers so much. But if I'm doing like an experiment, um, like I'm about to do a, a bulking experiment and I'll be tracking much more consistently so that I can have that data. But once I have that data, you know, like I have that knowledge, I know how my body responds and like then I can associate that response, you know, numerically with how I feel and then I can know that going forward, and then I can look back on those notes. So I don't have to track it every time I try to do a similar Right, experiment. that's funny. I'm kind of the same way where, you know, I used to measure it all the time, but now just by kind of feel and really listening to myself, I kind of know where I'm at. And then, you know, uh, maybe once, twice a week, no, once a week or once every two weeks, just for a sanity check, I will check it. And I'm usually pretty darn close to where I think I am. Um, as far as ketones and glucose when I do measure it. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that's good. Like, it's good to be able to know and be in tune with your body. Like, so many people don't have a clue how they respond, why they respond that way, and how to fix it. Whereas, you know, if you are constantly doing self-experimentation and just kind of tweaking things, I mean, you just know your body really, really well. And for me, as a bodybuilder, having been so low in body fat, it's like amplified. I've got a theory that when when you're, you know, sub- 4% body fat, you become so freaking in tune with your body. Like it's, it's insane, man. Like when you're sub 4% body fat and your body is literally living off of the food you're giving it, you know, real, real time versus like stored, then you, you just have a whole new appreciation for how certain things affect your body because like you can literally feel it as it's happening. And it's just a really, really interesting feedback loop that you get and it makes you just so much more in tune with how things respond. That's funny. When you're at that four or five percent body fat range, do you notice that your 
hearing, vision, and smell improves. Yeah, it's funny you say that, man. It is it is oddly like that. Like when I this last year, um, you know, I don't sleep that much as it is, but when I'm like now, if I don't sleep, I'm I could tell that I'm tired. Whereas then, even though I'm at like a super low calorie intake, super low body fat, I'll, you know, not be able to sleep and I'll just be like super high energy uh all the time. Like I I I can, you know, get three hours of sleep and then kill a leg workout and then do it again in 12 hours. Like it's crazy how much more just heightened my senses are. But then as soon as that competition is over and like, I know that I don't have to, you know, hold myself to such a high standard. Like I just wipe out and that doesn't last very long, like just a day pretty much to recover. But it's like, I'm just at such a heightened sense of, you know, survival mode, so to speak for so long that once it's over, my body and mind just like take a deep, deep breath and then I'm, you know, back to more of a maintenance Right, it's level. funny. Yeah, because that's what I notice when, whenever I'm fasting is my hearing and eyesight and smell and taste, everything is heightened. And it's got to be some survival mechanism where it's like, uh, we need food, we got to hurry up and find something, uh, listen for everything better and, you know, just devote more energy to this part of the brain. But it, it's, there's totally a noticeable difference in the middle, middle of a fast. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's sad to me that so many people will never experience that because they just, you know, they, they just don't either one, do keto or fasting, or two, they just don't want to deplete themselves or deprive themselves of that which they think they need. But I highly encourage everybody to just experience what it's like to go without. Because when you do that, for one, it makes you appreciate what you have, but then it gives you some, some scope, some frame of reference, and you can see what your body is truly capable of. That's why I love bodybuilding because when I'm, you know, counting my macros so religiously, not missing a single workout, not missing a single cardio session, and just on top of everything, you really, really tap into what your body's true potential is. And then when you do that, you have that that scope, that frame of reference, which you can then carry forward into other aspects of your life. And it makes everything else just seem right. so trivial. Yeah, it makes you way more resilient. Which is why it's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to take uh, the side of the other people who, who are uh, perplexed as to why you don't write down how much you're lifting and how many reps. Because the only way I ever am able to improve is when I look at what I did last week and then I try and add 10% to it until I, you know, gas out. Mm-hmm. How are you tracking that and increasing I used to write, I used to write down all my lifts. Like I had, I used to have like notebooks full of all of my reps and sets and the weight used. And I would like to get back into that. Like at some point, I would like to kind of be more on top of my, you know, documentation of my training. But I, I tend to take a much more instinctive approach to training. Like with the nutrition, you eat what you eat, and that's what it is. Like you have a goal, you track your macros. Like I'm, I've taken a much more scientific approach to nutrition, and I, I just you know have my numbers, hit my numbers, and I you know manipulate those numbers to reach the goal. With my training. It's much more instinctive. I I feel that if you you know say okay I'm I'm gonna do three sets of ten reps on this exercise with this weight, then that's what you're going to do. You're gonna do that or less. Whereas if you don't, you know it's kind of really boils down to what your personality is like. Some people will take that lack of structure and cheat themselves a little bit, and other people take that lack of structure and push the envelope. And I've tried to, you know, do the latter and push the envelope. And I feel like by being more instinctive with it, I'm allowing myself to to push myself harder than if I had, you know, painted myself into a corner and say, okay, you're only doing this. Many reps. So you're kind of, you start really counting when it starts burning and hurting. No, I, I do count. Like I, I count, like I know how many reps and stuff I'm doing, but then I'll always try and get another one or another one, or I'll, I'll do like a drop set or a superset. Like I superset everything. I don't ever really not superset unless it's like a, a compound movement and I'm just trying to go up heavier in weight. But I superset everything, drop set everything. And I just, you know, sometimes there's like, there's no plan. Like I'll go in there and I, I never know the exact exercises I'm going to do that day. I just base it off of how my body feels and kind of like the vibe that I'm getting. And, you know, I might walk in thinking that I'm only going to be there for an hour and a half. Then I wind up leaving you know, three hours later because I just felt really freaking good. And that wouldn't oftentimes happen if I had like a set plan that I knew was going to, you know, take place that day. 
So what what is your bulking experiment? Like, wh- what is this? Are you going to be doing like a carnivore diet? Like, what's the plan? Oh, man, I haven't even gone out and made it public yet. I don't know if I can reveal it on the podcast. All right. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's going to be like super, super high calorie. Like, I did a 4,000 calorie experiment, um, the 4,000 calorie challenge that everybody was doing on YouTube. I did that for like 21 days, and I did it for an additional like month and a half or two months total, and had some interesting results. And I, I was really glad that I did that because I did it immediately following my last competition. So I was kind of able to use it as a reverse dieting protocol. But with this experiment, it's just going to be like crazy hypercalorie intake, just obscene amounts of training and intensity. And I'm just really going to push my body to the limit. And I'm probably going to get fat, honestly. Um, but if I am able to build an obscene amount of muscle as well, then it's like a worthwhile trade-off for what right. I'm trying to do. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be following that one. That's really interesting. Yeah, because you could always burn that fat off. Easy peasy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I bulked up to 230 pounds when I was eating carbs previously, and I was really, really strong then, built a ton of muscle, but then I cut down crazy fast, I, very much so the wrong way. This was all before I found keto, and I lost like 70 pounds in three months, but I lost a ton of strength right. when I did that. And I was eating, a, you know, I was eating, you know, 6,000 plus calories a day when I did do that, and it was all from, you know, very poor quality foods. So I'd be interested to test the same calorie intake but with proper nutrition and, you know, when I come off that high intake to do so much more gradually so that I don't right, lose the muscle. Yeah, because, you know, every kind of keto bodybuilder I see now, yeah, they're keto, but they were, you know, a traditional kind of bodybuilder long before and downing the tons of carbs to get to that point. So I would love to see like a twin experiment where you take one twin and you put them on the, you know, carby bodybuilder route and you put the other one on the keto bodybuilder route and could that keto guy achieve the same thing as the carb builder by bodybuilder guy or yeah that's that's one question i get a lot man like people always say because if you look at the the top physiques in the keto space right now that are like you know following more of a bodybuilding style approach and you know like like they, they train they obviously have like aesthetic physiques like that's like the biggest argument, you know, they all had those physiques, they built that foundation before they got on keto. So I want to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Let me find out and let you know, and I'll do just that. And we'll see how much muscle I'm going to actually be able to build. But muscle building takes a long time, man. Like I know that I've built muscle in the four years that I've been strict keto, but you know, I had a pretty good foundation before I started. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to determine how much was actually built before or after. I mean, you can look at pictures and see that I've built more muscle, but for some, for some reason, another people just don't want to, you know, open their eyes to the fact that you can build right. muscle on keto. Yeah, we need a uh, decade-long twin study with two kids that are 14 right now. We need to separate them from their parents, put them in cages, and feed them different yeah. diets. It's the only way we'll find out. But yes. no, you, to your point, yeah, I've mm-hmm. definitely put on a lot of muscle since turning to keto and put on and gained a lot of strength since keto so and you know mm-hmm. what, another crazy thing is my eyesight improved and i've got medical records to prove you know it. it's funny you said that too mine that's too. funny you get no you i get have medical records to prove it because like most people are going to call like bs on that one but you know i i can show you my prescriptions from three years ago versus six months ago and uh it's a less powerful prescription now i've i've always worn uh glasses or contacts and but I, they were always just annoying. Like it's annoying to have to put contacts in or have to wear glasses, especially like if you're in the gym, like wearing glasses in the gym is just not practical. Um, and I don't like like screwing around with contacts because they would always fall out. So I just said, okay, screw it. I'm just going to stop wearing them. And I've always been, I'm able to see up close, but I can't see far away. What is that, near side or is that far side? I don't I know. I'm the same way. I don't know. It's one of them. Yeah, it's one of them. Uh, but like I can I can never make out like the, the definition in leaves on trees and like distant street signs. But now I don't wear contacts. I don't wear glasses. I haven't for years. And I don't noticeably feel like I'm not, I'm, I'm not having good vision. Like I can read all the signs. I can see all the definition in the leaves. Like none of that's bothered me at all. And I think honestly, a lot of it's, you know, I mean, I don't know what else it could be besides the fact that my nutrition has changed just right, so dramatically. You have the largest concentration of mitochondria in what your eyes, your brain, um, and your ovaries if you're a woman, and your heart. Uh, 
So, you know, the, the nutrition, the keto is feeding those guys and they're a lot happier and they've got a lot more energy and it's, that's what's improving your eyesight or is it your brain that's like functioning better and it's, that's where it's getting picked up. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's totally beyond my field of expertise, but it's very, very fascinating because there's so many things that you don't even think have improved until you take a moment and like reflect on it. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I used to wear glasses and now I don't, you know, I mean. That's interesting. So what about carnivore diet? Have you played with it? Do you know anybody on it? Are you doing it? Any plans? So I do like, I don't know, some people are super like uptight about the whole carnivore craze right now. And carnivore is awesome. Like nothing against carnivore. Um, but I'm not like a diehard. If you eat anything that's not meat, you're, you know, you're, you're just blasphemy, you know? Um, so like I'll, I'll eat predominantly meat and then I'll have like a craving for a big salad or something. So I'll go get a big salad and I won't feel any worse for it. Like I'll just go back to eating meat when I crave meat and I'll eat a salad when I'm wanting to. Um, right now I don't eat a whole lot of greens. Like my greens don't really make me feel good for the most part. Like they just bloat me more. I feel like they make me more tired. So I don't eat a lot of greens. Um, what I've been eating a lot lately and it's really easy and it's really nutritionally dense is I'll do like beef liver and, you know, occasionally, and then I'll have, um, like a, like I'll get a pound of 80, 20 ground beef like organic grass-fed ground beef, and I'll just cook that up, put some salt and pepper in there, and that'll be like a full-blown meal. I just eat a pound of meat there, but then I'll also have like a keto brick later in the day or something. There's, you know, 16 grams of total carbs in there, so I'm getting some fiber in there from that. Um, but I mean, everything seems to be ticking along pretty good. I don't have any digestive issues whatsoever, and it's a pretty simple way to prepare my How meals, so I've been, I've been enjoying that. Palatable. You don't like beef <laughs> Does liver? anybody? I choke it down. I force it down because like, I feel the so energy from that after I eat it. And I love that feeling, but it, man, it's disgusting. So the best way to eat beef liver that I've found, if you're just going to eat the liver, is to like cook it in a cast iron skillet and like scramble it in with some eggs. Like I'll cut it up into strips. I'll cook it with some, some butter and then I'll like cook some eggs in there and scramble it all up. That's an easy way to do it. Um, if you want to kind of make it even less beef livery, get some liverwurst sausage that has, you know, clean ingredients in it, not a whole lot of added, you know, crap and stuff. And then just cook that up and scramble that with your eggs. And that doesn't even taste like it's got liver in there, but it doesn't taste like the, the pronounced liver uh, taste, you know. Do you so have I like, like that a, a local liverwurst that you go for? Or is there like a national brand that's, that's available and good? I've been getting all mine from U.S. Wellness Meats. They've got a pretty tasty liverwurst that has a really clean ingredient list. I think it's like, I don't know, three or four ingredients and doesn't have any added preservatives or anything. So And it's all pre-cooked too, which is nice. Like I really like... That pre-cooked foods that don't have the preservatives um, because then I could just heat it and eat it. And I do so much like traveling, just going that oftentimes I'm having my stuff just in a microwave, microwaveable dish. You know, I just want to pop in the microwave and call it good um, and not take as much time to cook. So okay. that's just convenient. So when you're taking the, the beef liver, so just the, the, help me understand the process. So you're cutting it into strips. You got your cast iron pan going, you throw a bunch of butter in it, then you're throwing the beef in to sort of brown it and get that going, and then you're throwing eggs in. How are you cooking that? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I'll melt a tablespoon or two of butter in there, or like, you know, whatever fat source you want to use. Uh, duck fat, I've been cooking with that a lot lately, and I really like that. Um, but butter's fine, so I have that kind of melt the butter, get the skillet nice and hot, then I'll cut my liver into strips, or I'll weigh it out, you know, then cut it into strips with like a pair of scissors. By the way, totally random here, but meat scissors are just like kitchen scissors as opposed to using a knife like i don't know how i never knew this before but scissors are way easier um and i'll use that i'll just cut up the liver and then you know stir it around kind of stir fry it basically and then i'll crack in a couple eggs and scramble that mix up put some salt and pepper on there um and i'm good now, to go is that something you would describe that you would say you enjoy eating or you're eating it because of the nutritional value no, I enjoy it. And sometimes like if I'm liver is really protein dense compared to, you know, the fat ratio is very low. So oftentimes with that meal, put like a tablespoon or two of the like Primal Kitchen mayo or something on there. Um, which to me, I, the like the Chipotle lime mayo, it's more like a, I don't know, like a dressing more so than a mayo in my opinion. But I like that mixed in with it. Um, yeah, and it's like an incredibly nutritionally dense meal and pretty easy to right. prepare. Okay. I'm going to try that. I'm on, uh, give it a I'm shot, on man. grassland beef yeah, now. I'm getting that liverwurst. It looks disgusting, but I'm going to do it. I went to Whole Foods the other day, and they don't often have liver, but they do occasionally get a shipment in, and it's in their frozen aisle. 
Um, but it's like super, super cheap. Like each tray that they have of liver, which is like a full liver, is like four bucks or something. So it's all grass fed. Um, so that's a pretty good option, pretty good place to get it there as well. All right, I will check that out. But yeah, I like my liver. Man, this this is the record on the podcast, man. I've never been asked this many questions on my own podcast. Well, listen, if I can get a hold of an expert and pick it. their brain and get at them, I'm going to do it. So I'm sorry if I hijacked your podcast, but that this was very helpful for me. No, no, this is good, man. So thank you. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, man. Anything I can, I mean, this has been flowing pretty pretty good. I like it. You have, a, you have no, good thanks. questions, man. Well, on that note, I am out of questions. Oh, really? You're out of questions? <laughs> Um, well, tell, tell me about you, man. Give the audience a little bio on kind of what you have going on right now besides the, you know, like oh, you yeah. transitioned so, to keto. But I mean, like what, talk about fat yeah, snacks. Yeah, fat I mean, snacks. That's interesting. So, you know, we make the best tasting keto cookie out there, period, bar none. So not, no one else comes close. I like it. And, you know, it's really, it's about taste and flavor and convenience and making like a fun um, cheat without the treat or treat without the cheat. Um, you know, and, and it, and it really all started to solve my own problems of being in keto and wanting a um, portable snack that, uh, tastes good and is convenient. And, you know, uh, like, I, I think that like the, the last time, like when I was like, that's it, I really have to do something to solve this problem was I was in a movie theater and like cracked open a hard boiled egg and it was like disgusting and it smelled, it was embarrassing. I was like, I, I gotta do something about this. And that just really led me down the road of uh, research and work and experimenting and trying and failing and trying and failing and doing it again until I came up with a product that I thought was good. And the ultimate um, you know, test was, did my six-year-old daughter think it was good? And when she, the first one that I thought was good and she tried, she said, it was like, no way. So then I was back to the drawing board and I kept doing it until she thought it tasted good. And when she said she liked it, then I knew I was on to something. And it was really just right there, just making a decision. All right, I'm going to do this and starting and not stopping and making sure I did at least one thing every day to move this company forward. And right now, we're one of the best-selling keto snacks on Amazon. And we're not going to stop. And we've got delicious cookies and also a fat tea, which is... Matcha, poo air, or yerba mate with MCT oil powder. It's all C8 and a blend of non-glycemic sweeteners. I, think, uh, I love it, man. I love it. I think um, just what I've learned in kind of in my own foray of the food industry and business, like there's so many unknowns there. So I have like a whole new respect for what you've done with Fat Snacks. And it's just cool, man. Like I really tip my hat to you for seeing that there's a, a, a need, addressing that need going to the drawing board and just grinding out possible solutions to that need, landing on something that works, and then just growing it. Like, there's so much to be said for that, man. Like, I, I well, really, thanks, really And you know what? Um, back to, can bring it back, right back to the beginning with Tim Ferriss. You know, I used a lot of his strategies in the four-hour work week. So before I really dove into this, I wanted to make sure that this was something that actually could be a business. You know, I knew my friends were saying they liked it and would give me money for it, but that's kind of meaningless. So I created like a test website and mm -hmm. put up some products and people actually gave money. Uh, so, you know, obviously I, I refunded them and <laughs> apologize and I've since sent them a bunch of free stuff. But, you know, those people were the beginning and I, if somebody was actually going to give me money for something, then I kind of knew I was onto something. And then beyond that, when I actually had physical product, I mean, the, the cookies, the packaging, the boxes, the labels, everything. I went to a bunch of local um, health food stores and gyms and just walked in and said, hey, carry this here for a week. I'll be back and either it's going to sell and you're going to give me an order for more or I'll take it away from you. And every one of them said, yes, no problem. We'd love to help. And a week later, I went back and they all ordered more. And at that point, that's when I had an existential crisis because I was not set up for that. And I immediately started getting to work for it, pouring my blood, sweat, and ketones into it. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Was it was it pretty easy to just go to these local places? I mean, I guess they were like like small enough that they didn't have to go through corporate, you know, structure and get approval and whatnot. You could just walk in and 
have them put that it on the shelves? That part is easy, right? So yeah, exactly what you said. These are small owner-operator places, and they, nobody tells them what to do. They just put it on the shelf. The hard part is standing outside, getting up the guts, walking inside, and saying that. That's hard. Would you, and you were no, turned I wasn't down? Turned down but no, it's still, it's hard to do. I mean, try it. Walk into a store with keto brick and say, carry these, carry these for a week. It's hard. It's a tough thing to do. It's like, it's like walking out on stage. It's like, it, it's nerve wracking. Why, why are these things built into it? It's probably another survival mechanism because it, you're, it, it's unknown. You don't know what the repercussions could be and your, your body doesn't know it's 2019. It's just like, ah, we could die going into this. So it's nerve wracking and you just got to suck it up. Get in there and do it. It's kind of like one of Tim Ferriss's uh, tests where he's like, go, I forget what chapter in the book, but he's like, go up to the att- attractive girl and just ask for a number. And whether you keep the number or not, just go ask for it. You know, get out of that comfort zone. Yeah, and totally. Just go and for they, it. You know, pushing yourself. Uh, you know what? It's another great exercise. Go to an, uh, an open mic for stand ups. Get up there and try and be funny for five minutes. It is so hard and so nerve wracking. But man, it's like a great exercise for your mind and for your body and for your spirit to get through that. Yeah, and it's so rewarding afterwards. Like that's why I love going to these conferences and doing speaking engagements because you know like being in front of, you know, 100 plus people, much like I mean being in front of 10 people, it's like totally different. I could be having the same conversation with somebody across, you know, the table from me. But when you're in front of a bunch of people saying those same words, it's like so much more anxiety builds up and just doing that and going through with it like and making that the norm. Like people speak once a year they're always going to be nervous about it but if you make that like the norm and just constantly always going out of your out of your comfort zone then i mean that that's going to be a huge character builder and that that you know transcends itself into so many different layers and aspects of your life it's hard to quantify so hey i just thought of like another little anecdote so So when i so that was the cookies right and then the tea i actually started the tea first because um i i had this idea that i was gonna you know whatever start selling tea because i was making it for myself and it was great and really, uh, what really solidified it was I was on a ski trip with a bunch of buddies. And at lunchtime, they go into the lodge and the choices are you can have like pizza or French fries or like a burger or some ridiculous vegan thing that's like covered in cheese and carbs. And I had none of that. I had a cup of hot water. I dumped the tea in, the matcha, and, you know, no postprandial dip. I was not tired. We went out the rest of the afternoon every day going hard, you know, these are like high school friends. So everyone's going to one up each other and, um, you know, risk mm-hmm. death to be cooler than the guy next to them. And they were all tired and, uh, slow and I would totally outperform them. I didn't get tired and I had no injuries and that's when they were all falling. And I was like, wow, this stuff really works. I should, uh, I should start a business. I love it, man. I think again, kind of what I said about finding that need and finding a way to answer that need, but that's that's sweet, man. Plus, again, it's, it's convenient. Like that, that matcha comes in a little packet. I mean, take that anywhere with you. People, one thing I have very little tolerance for is excuses. And so many people come up with excuses as to why they can't hit their macros, why they can't train, why they can't, you know, stay on track or follow keto or yada, yada, yada. But I mean, if you if you have like that in your pocket, you know, tear it open, put it in your hot water. Like, what are you going to say? I mean, who, who, right. who can argue that? And, you know, you know, I never, I, I started this like, company and doing this stuff for really for me, right? And I never anticipated that it would help so many other people. And I can't tell you how many letters I get from, you know, people that are either were suffering from like type two diabetes or their kids have epilepsy and they're on like a keto diet and seeing how much it helps them. And man, that stuff gets me. That really chokes me up. Like, God damn, that really helps make everything worth it. Absolutely, man. I say the same thing. Like I get the emails that, you know, are just really really bring everything to the forefront like it makes everything that's not you know emotionally based and just like true and heartfelt just seems so trivial and irrelevant because when you get those emails and you're seeing how something you did or something you said or something you offered changed somebody for the better and has like a profound effect on their life like that i mean you can't put a price on that like nothing else is better than that and that is where i find my fulfillment and same is true with you i mean that's just, I mean, that's why we right. do what we do, right? That and I couldn't have a boss anymore. I was going to kill myself listening to people. Yeah, yeah, man. You, I, it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like everybody, you know, likes the idea of working for themselves and own their own business. But, I mean, it's like a whole nother beast. Like, you will not work less no. working for yourself than working for somebody else. But having something that you're passionate about and building something and creating something with your own two hands that has value, I mean, 
that I would I would work night and day tirelessly on end to build that as opposed to you know pumping in my hours right. from a nine to five for something that means nothing yeah, to me or anybody a else. Thousand times harder doing your own thing than doing the nine to five and punching and punching out, but it's a million times more rewarding. Yeah, I agree. What what's next, man? What what are you excited about? Like what's what's down the pipeline? We're all man. We're gonna help end metabolic disease. Get everyone on. <laughs> Uh, a good diet. So, you know, obviously beyond uh, the, our current lemon, chocolate chip, peanut butter, we've got other flavors coming out down the road. And, you know, th- those are going to be exciting. Plus like some other like fun stuff like brownies. You know, I, our mission's really like we're going to create the best tasting keto snacks out there. And, you know, we're, we're still on that mission and we're doing it every day and we're hard charging. We're going to make it happen. And we're just going to keep, um, you know, increasing our product line and staying true to what we do and genuine and always putting customers first. Always, always, always. If anybody ever has any issues, they can reach out directly to me or to um, my buddy, Brian. And we're both Brian at Fat Snacks, Jeff at FatSnacks.com. And we'll help you out. It's, it's pretty cool, man. Like I, when I was at KetoCon, I met Brian. You know, he was just, you know, way, way over the top. Anything I could do to help, you know, let me know. And like, I really appreciate that. Like it's... I've got a pretty good feel or vibe, I think, for, you know, a person's character. And, you know, five minutes into talking to you on this podcast, you know, just a a minute into meeting him and shaking his hand at KetoCon, it's like, y'all are good freaking people. You've got good intentions. You're in it for the right reasons. you got good values. you got your integrity, which seems to be like a waning asset these days. And I don't know, man, like I really... I just appreciate y'all. I mean, I think, again, I've never met you before. We're on talking for the first time right now, but... I, I got a good vibe for you. I know you're going to keep killing it and you're going to make waves in the world. And, oh, thanks, man. I don't know. I'm it excited for you. Absolutely. So people go to fatsnacks.com yeah, to find you fatsnacks.com. We're all right there. And should we but, do like a uh, awesome, Savage awesome. Code? Sa- sure, man. Put, put something in okay. there. Whatever, whatever you think is best. We can make a uh, Savage Code. Savage 10. We'll just, I'll just do it now. And that'll be what people will use. Sweet. I'll link out to that on the uh, show notes too. So if anybody wants to get them some you know, cookies are fatty tea. Awesome. Thanks, That's man. where they can get it. I do want to try your matcha. I've been, like I said, I've been trying to wean off the caffeine from coffee. So I might, I might order some of your matcha and give that a shot because that would be a much, much smoother transition for me than being <laughs> yeah, going without. I, 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 I did the cold turkey uh, during a fast of coffee, of caffeine. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. Huge mistake. So when you're going through that caffeine withdrawal on like day two, it's the same time that you're really kicking over and getting rid of uh, all your glycogen reserves and it is painful and nightmarish. And then, you know, five days later I was back to drinking coffee. So it was stupid. So now when I'm just, do- when I'm doing fast, it's water and black coffee. Yeah, I agree, man. I think, you know, that and, and the fact that like, obviously I don't want to be without the caffeine because I mean, I go with the, with, with the withdrawals, but I just like the act of getting out of the office, driving to get a coffee and then drinking it like the simple act of doing that is, is just very i don't know like it's it's right. uh hey, speaking of caffeine almost. reminds me of a, one more question i had for you so you're a hard charging yeah you're a hard you charging savage and you're giving 110 percent on everything yeah. and you're only sleeping four hours a night what gives um <laughs> are you concerned that you know you're in it for uh health span and lifespan you know, there's just I, everything that, uh, you know, there's just so much more and more like emerging research on sleep and the importance of it and that recovery time. And you can use things like aura rings to really kind of get that dialed in. I don't know. Like, does it does it concern you at all that you're only yeah. sleeping four hours a night? And, you know, you're, you're a natural bodybuilder. When are you recovering? Yeah, no, this is all a very valid question, man. And it's something that I, I don't like. Like, I'm not proud of the fact that I don't sleep. Like, I don't use it as a braggadocious thing. Like, I, I know that my muscle recovery would be better. I would be able to build more muscle more efficiently if I slept more. I'd probably be more productive in my waking hours if I got more sleep. But at the same time, man, like, I'm so freaking just excited and high on life right now that I don't want to squander this opportunity that I have. And wasted sleeping like before before keto before i had a business before i had a brand before i had a calling in life like i would sleep all the time like i would sleep i would just be tired i was eating carbs i'd wake up tired and then i would look for my next nap and i just felt like i wasted so many years and you're going to freaking (laughs) die like 
you hear that and people know it, but it's going to happen. And like, I don't want to die having any regrets and I don't want to die thinking, man, you know, I wish I'd hustled a little harder when I was in my 20s or 30s. So I'm just going to say, okay, there's going to be none of that thought process because there's not going to be any opportunity for thinking I could have gone a moment's like any harder than I am right, right. now because I'm going all in right now. And this is the grind time of my life. And that I'm, makes sense. Uh, I'm and you're 26, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, when I was mm -hmm. 26, I would run around saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I was probably doing the same thing. But I was, very, I was doing that and being very unhealthy. But at least you're being healthy and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That has got to hedge yeah. my bets a little bit no, there. At least, I'm you old. Know. My God, do I love sleep. But, but I, I do need more sleep. I mean, how um, many hours do you average a night? Easy, like, you know, I, I just, I, I, I have no problem. I've never had a problem sleeping. Like, I read a book at night to, you know, in bed to help fall asleep. It takes me months to get through the book. I'm like three pages in and I'm out. Yeah. You know, I, I think so much of it, honestly, man, now that you've asked that question, I'm thinking about it right now. Like, my, my business is, is pretty new in the grand scheme of things. Like, I didn't launch the, the very long ago. I mean, so the, the memories of just being totally broke and desperate and hungry are still very fresh on my mind. And, and even if I'm doing well now or better now, like I just haven't convinced myself that it's there to stay. So I just have to keep digging and grinding just to ensure that I'm not going to lose it. I feel like, I don't know, I've always thought that it's just, I'm just, it's just going to pass me by. I'm going to you know, take this opportunity for granted and I'm just going to miss it. So it's really hard for me to sleep with that constantly just right. nagging at and my you head. Know, you know? It's, it's a good mindset because... You know, nothing is certain and it could all go away tomorrow and who knows what could happen, right? So mm -hmm. I don't think you should, if you were selling a hundred million dollars of keto bricks a year, I still would worry it could all go away tomorrow. And, and, that's, and that's probably a good thing. It keeps you driven and keeps you going. But would you be more productive if you had more sleep? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a good, you know, that's a good tipping point, man. Like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And I know that I need more sleep. And I know people tell me I need more sleep. And it's like, I, I, I agree with them. Are you waking you know? up with an alarm um, or you're just waking up? I, so I don't know. I, no, I, I'm definitely waking up with an alarm. Um, I, I, I wish I was able to wake up early enough and let my body. I used to be able to do that. And when I'm like super lean, like kind of what we were saying earlier, I'm more hypersensitive and I can wake up with an alarm. But I mean, now... Like I'll have like a huge list of things I'm going to get done in that day. And then I'll wake up, you know, still pretty tired because I didn't get but four hours of sleep. But then once I start actually doing it and I, I you know, get that cup of coffee right. in me. You truly are I'm good a savage. To go, you know? Not sleeping, working out hard, building a business, doing podcasts, writing, speaking. You're a savage, man. You're living it. Hey, man, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I appreciate it, brother. It's, it's, uh, it's just cool for me to be able to talk to people like you doing the same thing and grinding it out, man. Because, I mean, that's... You know, this right here, like conversations like this is what makes this whole thing. And I say this like literally on the end of all of my podcasts because it's true every time. But like talking to people, communicating with people, like I was tired before I jumped on this podcast. Now that I've talked with you, I'm freaking fired up. I don't feel like I've lacking any sleep right now. I'm just ready to go tackle the day again because I'm just right, energized cool. by this conversation. Well, get after it. I will, man. I will. All right, brother. Well, it's been a pleasure and we'll talk soon, Jeff, because I'm, I'm excited for everything you got going right, on. Brother. I'm, I'm going to keep so tabs much. on you. You too. Take care, buddy.